first so I can look the part and then, you know, only write the checks when I'm fully in, in uniform. <laughs>
I always say blame it on the lawyer. My concern is always how things get spliced up and reproduced and misinterpreted when they are just taped randomly, video or audio. So I just think that it always presents. Well, we, we disagree with that position. We, we expect that to change in the future. But we're here. We're very happy that you agreed to meet with us. And okay. we, have a, we have a simple question. We, then we've been, so we know who everybody okay. is, right? Then we know who everybody is here that's at the table. So this is our clerk to the board. This is Wayne Richardson, our vice president. This is Michael Parlavecchio, our board counsel. I thought it would be good to be here for the for the, for the purposes um, of the meeting. I will just say to the issue of um, uh, transparency, uh, is everyone here that you're we're waiting on or invite Well, there might be another. We have a couple other people that will come in. Okay. We can get started. So we'll, so we'll get started. There's no problem. Just your names and Just your names. Names and emails. Um, and understanding here you on transparency and, and we'll say up front that willing to meet um, you know, more than once to accommodate people who want to meet with me and my constituents. So I, I as a general matter, Try to meet with anyone who makes a request to meet to meet with me as a, as a constituent. Um, so that's an issue. The issue, and I think it's been settled, but the issue of videotaping this interaction or recording it, um, you know, based both on speaking with counsel and based on how these meetings have been. I've never had that request, quite frankly, before. Um, you know, the, if we have a public meeting. That's what we have public meetings for: to go on the record, to be on the record, to take our positions um, that are available to the public and recorded. So I know we have a different a disagreement, um, and I suspect it might not be the only disagreement that we have <laughs> uh, at this at this meeting. Um, but uh, I'm absolutely here to have this discussion with you and, and hear you out um, more in depth on your, on your position. Great, so uh, all of us that are here and part of this growing movement, we have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Will you put uh, before the uh, freeholder board a motion for the county to immediately, uh, which they have the right to under the contract, immediately break the contract with ICE, uh, to vote for that, and to uh, use your power as the president of the board to strongly encourage the other three holders to vote for that. Um, I, will, I will, at this point in time, not put a motion uh, up to do that. Um, I have, um, I don't want to speak for the leadership of the board, but I don't want to speak for uh, my other seven colleagues, but I have uh, polled them informally um, on this issue. Uh, and right now, uh, there does not seem to be um, a majority of freeholders or even any freeholder at this point in time uh, who uh, supports that action. Where do you support? Uh, I support uh, I, I will not, I would not support uh, undoing uh, the contract at this point in time. Why? Uh, my chief concern is, uh, while I'm very sympathetic uh, to um, the goal of what you are trying to do, uh, I am deeply concerned about where the detain where the detainees will end up. Doing that will not, in my opinion, will not um, will not solve um, the issue, and will not get us to where I think maybe collectively 
we all want to go. I, I, I just disagree. They, they, will be, they will be moved uh, to facilities, potentially, uh, that are farther uh, from uh, potential help, uh, potential assistance, potential family. Um, and I do not believe um, that at this point in time that uh, the federal policy, until we have some much more serious change at the federal level, which I'm hopefully we do, uh, starting this November, um, that there will be that type of there will be that type of change. So I have serious concern about that, um, both about uh, location uh, and and how it will actually uh, affect um, the individuals that are currently detained. <clears throat> Recently, I. I, I... So you spoke with Steve Adubato, Jr., mm -hmm. and you had mentioned that the immigration policy would be different from Trump's, especially since you, you were somebody who worked for mm -hmm. Phil Murphy, mm -hmm. and that one of Phil Murphy's, you know, sort of goals was to have a different immigration policy. And as somebody who has power at the county level, mm -hmm. it wouldn't sort of be a, much of a stretch to think that you would be somebody who'd be in a position to guide that different policy. So I'm just wondering if you can tell us how the Essex County immigration policy, especially in relation to ICE detentions way down neck in the East Ward mm -hmm. of Newark, that is, how are they different policy than Trump's? Well, you're t I mean, I think, and I think it's important to understand um, the facts in terms of our, our facility, right? I mean, a lot of people confuse the Elizabeth Detention Center with our facility. That's not our facility. That's not a county facility. Um, and uh, I would... Um, I would, I would suggest that, um, and it's actually been evaluated that our facilities um, are uh, are much better than what currently exists in other places. Much better. Um, but how is the policy different? Because we're not confusing the Essex County, yeah, it, which it, is privately run. I guess what I'm saying is you're, what, what we're here discussing is a federal policy, and what you guys are asking to do is to essentially take, a, take, a, take an action, to take an action to not participate in a current existing federal policy. Mm -hmm. yeah. right. And right. This, ex existing, this existing federal policy has been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. right. We have less detainees right now than we did under President Obama. In this county, in this particular county. So, what what I'm what I'm suggesting is that this federal policy needs to be changed at the federal level. And I don't think that I understand your goal. I do not think, and this is where we just disagree, that undoing this particular contract is going to effectuate the change that you're looking for. I, I don't. May I? Hi, so my name is Rob. Just uh, thank you again for this meeting. Uh, I would first ask if, if you uh, have seen, let's see, it's uh, a report called Ice Lies, Public Deception, Private Profit, uh, published by Immigrant Justice. Uh, there's another report uh, about the Essex County Correctional Facility and the ICE contract there um, called Ailing Justice, New Jersey Inadequate Healthcare, Indifference and Indefinite Confinement and Immigrant Detention. Uh, in one of these reports, um, let's see here, uh, 
it's in Ailing Justice, uh, is put out by Human Rights First. Uh, there is a report of uh, harsh and inhumane conditions at the Essex County Correctional Facility, not the Elizabeth one, the Essex County one. Uh, and the reports of detainees expressing concern over certain family members visiting, stating that some officers threaten detainees with harm to their family. Uh, one individual stated that an officer told him, quote, I'll go to your mom and get her pregnant, and then I'll get your daughter pregnant too. So I, I think that, uh, you know, as, as much as it's nice to think that the Essex County Correctional Facility is better or an exception to this overarching trend that uh, we see, uh, I would challenge you to present us with actual evidence uh, that says that the Essex County Correctional Facility is, you know, better or a humane place or a good place for immigrants because I think there are a lot of stories like this uh, that come out of that correctional facility, and I think that, you know, as you know, on the national level, ICE has no accountability, uh, and they're violating people's rights um, to the extent, uh, to the point where, right, like, as you pro you may, maybe you've read this uh, New York Times article recently uh, about Jeff Sessions uh, coming under fire by a federal judge, uh, I think it was in uh, the District Court in uh, Columbia, uh, District of Columbia Court, uh, where people that were asylum seekers were preemptorily deported mm -hmm. before they even had a chance to a fair trial. So, I mean, that's the sort of thing that we're talking about. You know, it's not just these people are just going to go to the ICE jail and they're just going to, you know, sit there for a sentence and wait for their family members to come get them. Right. Like, these people are getting deported. Right. They're, they're being abused. They're having their rights violated. Right. And it's a violation of federal law. Right. I mean, it's a federal policy that's violating federal law. So I think... I want to be like really clear about you know what the stakes are right now, and you know not sugarcoat any of this because if you're going to take that position, which you've already stated, then I think we all want to be on the same page about like what exactly does that mean, and that means that you're complicit in violation of federal law and violation of people's rights. Mm -hmm. you want to speak to the yeah, sure. Yeah. So, um, I, I just want to yeah. distill it a little bit. I think whether you're talking about Let's talk about any facility, and, and in particular the county facility, county correctional facility. Whether you're talking about ICE detainees or county jail uh, detainees who are from York or Irvington or East Orange, I don't think anybody at this table would say that a correction officer should mistreat uh, any of those people who are, by whom care uh, they're charged uh, in that facility. So. I don't think you could paint if there's an officer or two officers who are acting beyond the scope of what they're supposed to do. Clearly, those people should be disciplined, fired, however it, 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 it's required that they be treated. So I don't think anybody would say, well, we condone that behavior, whether it be for an immigrant detainee or just a person who's picked up uh, in the normal course of uh, uh, law enforcement and housed at that jail. So there's no way to disagree with, with your statement about that, that, that. To say that an entire government is complicit with the misdeeds or, 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 or bad actions of uh, one or two correction officers, I, I think is pretty broad brush. But, but, I'm sorry, that's not the point of what the re that reporter, what Rob has said. Yeah, and I would, I would rebut further that this is not sort of an anecdote and it's not sort of an exception to the rule. What we're talking about is the systemic abuse 
well, of, you of people. Abuse, well, I, I have you another point that I would add to that. There's another. I have. I have more examples. I have more examples. Um, so, from another report, the Ice Lies report, public deception and private profit. Now we're talking about at a broad. This one it was published on immigrantjustice.org. Uh, I believe that's the National uh, Immigrant Justice is uh, that, Coalition. Is that from an investigation of the? It's an investigative report. It? Yeah. This this, this, this report in, this report actually is not. This report is about um, ICE at a national level. Okay. And what we're what we're witnessing at a national level right now with ICE's activity is that people are being detained for next to nothing. I mean, people are really being uh, seriously harassed by ICE. Um, and so this report was put out by Detention Watch Network and National Immigrant Justice Center um, has reported that arrests of vic uh, this recent ramp up, right, this of ICE under Trump uh, over the past year and a half has seen people be arrested who are victims of domestic violence, uh, children in need of emergency medical care, activists who dared speak out, people seeking redress for wage theft, recipients of deferred action for childhood arrivals, DACA, individuals erroneously entered into gang databases, erroneously entered into gang databases, who are actually victims of gang violence, uh, and asylum seekers, as we already have covered a little bit, who arrive at the border with their children, and more. So that all of that is systemic. All of this is happening across the country, and we're also seeing across the country meetings like this happening at a local level with our local representatives, because as a group, I think we're here to like ask for leadership at a local level from our elected officials who we depend on to represent us in I a democracy. Just ask, I just want to ask a question. I understand what ICE is doing and nationwide. The pro I, I don't want to undersell it by calling it the problems attended with ICE and how people are being detained and arrested. But I want to bring that down to the Essex County Jail. So the Essex County Corrections officers aren't out on the street executing warrants uh, and, and arresting people. It's the, it's the housing component of when those, we provide the housing for when those people are brought in. So well, I don't go the sheriff's department has a cops contract that requires cooperation with ICE to round up immigrants and hand them over. Armando Fontora is a collaborator with these roundups. I, I, I don't agree with that. That's a cops. Read the cops contract. It's in black and white. Right. So we are essentially. I just right, want to differentiate. Right. So we have the ICE and what ICE is up to, and then you have the jail, which is where I, I don't disagree that the detainees are brought there and they're housed there. But I don't know how, what Essex County can do to affect right. ICE activities. Okay, well, I just, yeah. Yeah. go ahead, go ahead. So specific to Essex County, right, in a report from Human Rights First um, entitled Detention of Asylum Seekers in New Jersey, access to counsel remains a challenge, particularly at the Essex County facility where various barriers impede attorney-client communications. Conditions are essentially identical to those in many criminal correctional facilities. There's numerous examples of individual cases. A Salvadorian refugee was held in detention for nine months because he couldn't afford bond. At the Essex County facility in particular, pro bono lawyers and local nonprofits report multiple barriers to attorney-client communications. Operators require lawyers to have a New Jersey state attorney card, which other places do not require. Telephone communication is severely hampered. All phone numbers, including for lawyers, must be cleared, which can take three to four days. There are very limited meeting spaces, sometimes forcing attorneys to meet with clients in hallways. All individuals are subject to full strip search after every contact visit. Um, 
for people who are in detention who have no criminal charge other than an immigration violation, um, I, I don't see how we can say that that's, that's fair and reasonable, that those are good conditions to keep people in. Um, and I can list other things from other reports, but I don't know how much time you want me to spend during this meeting doing that. You, you've hit on exactly what I was looking to hear. So I, I understand the big picture, or, or I, I think I understand the big picture. But those are Before things... Before you do that, I, I'd, like to, I'd like for you to say that. Yeah. Oh, sure, yeah. absolutely. Uh, I like that. But yeah. that happy to. Just so happy to. Send it to the clerk. Oh, happy to. And there's, there's much more to it, so I'm happy to say, Jerry. Specifically, what I just heard okay. that points to what's happening at the Essex County facility. Okay. Right? I will, be, I will I send you two reports specific to Essex County. You send that to the clerk. Mm -hmm. Have any of the four of you visited? I have several times. You have? Sure. Um, I also, if I may speak to the point, I absolutely sympathize with the concern for current detainees in the facility and what will happen to people who are currently detained if the contract is ended. Um, I think that there are two points I'd like to make um, that are related but not the same. The first being that it is not required mm -hmm. upon ending of the contract that people be sent somewhere else. They could be released or they could be kept in the facility under the, with the understanding that no new de detainees will be accepted until those cases are resolved. What do you think is going to happen with this administration? I think that they're scrambling I mean, for beds. Do you, know I don't what think do you know what happened under the Obama administration when this would happen? They would be released because you had an administration that was that was more lenient, and, and also because they would have budget issues. Absolutely. So they so they would so once so once they were having those budget issues and they could no longer sustain the the funding, they had at least an administration that would. But that's not going to happen in the Trump But they don't have 800 beds sitting open right now, right? I mean, I mean that's, that's the question. I mean, what do you think they're going to do? What? I'm not saying that justified, but I, I don't. I don't. I mean. But you could freeze the contract. This is what you're, are, right. you're also My suggesting. Is that I think what they would do is what's easiest for them, which is to keep people here who are currently here and until their, you know, their case is closed, right? Right. Um, the other side of that is people who are not currently incarcerated right. in the Essex County Correctional Facility, right. that we have 800 beds that we're earning an awful lot of money for, and that's a powerful incentive to keep those beds right. full. So yeah. th as the contact remains open, people who are currently there are under these conditions, but as they leave and other people come in, those are people who are now being incarcerated who would not be necessarily were there not this incentive to do so. So the, this idea of a freeze, what, what is that? I don't know. I, th I think the contract is to accept detainees. I don't know that there's a way to stop actually the, you know. Atlanta, there right. might be, but the mayor of Atlanta did exactly that. She terminated their contract to accept more while keeping the current detainees in. So there, there is a precedent for that. Right. So it's attrition, and as people right. are released, or yeah, however right. they're Right. Can, we, can, we, yeah. can we look further into that? Yeah. Yeah. We'll report back. Let me just explain a couple of things. One is, we're part of a national movement. Other facilities, such as in Sacramento, have already been closed. The federal government, under our system, does not have unlimited powers. If across the country, governments like yours make the correct decision and close these Facilities. Do you really think that new facilities will pop out of 
of nowhere. They are very. Facilities will take over. They are very. Protest movements like ours are growing all over the place. They are protesting private. They've already veterans starting to protest that the military is not constitutional. Let me just ask one simple question. Home. How many private facilities have been closed under the So what I'm saying is this is a national movement. Second point I want to make is that when the two of you took office, mm -hmm. you swore to uphold the Constitution of the United States of America. Part of, of that state. Constitution, but and of this state. Right. Part of the Constitution, the Fourteenth Amendment. Fourteenth mm -hmm. Amendment guarantees equal rights to all persons. Mm -hmm. This immigration, these immigration laws, are violating the equal rights of these persons. So the question, the first question <coughs> is, are you going to continue to cooperate? with an unconstitutional policy that is violating people's rights and violating early public laws. And second of all, in terms of what difference local action makes, you're all aware of the history of this country. In the 1850s, the Fugitive Slave Act was the law of the land. That was based on local cooperation and, in fact, mandated. And in fact, as our history books all tell us, it was mass non-participation in and defiance of that Fugitive Slave Act in which slave catchers were surrounded and driven out of town that was one of the leading shoots in the development of the abolition movement, which eventually led to the Civil War abolition. We don't think we need a civil war to abolish the unjust but just as local action contributed to change on a massive scale on the federal level, don't you think history can, can repeat in a more peaceful manner by non-participation in unconstitutional and unjust violations of people's rights? Mm -hmm. Don't you agree? <laughs> Well, can I put it down? Oh, sorry. Have you met with any other um, local elected officials? Have you met with uh, any of the other mayors in the county up to this point? We, we, are, we are in the process. Uh, but as you know, some officials have come out. Right. Mayor Fullock of New Jersey City has mm -hmm. called for the ending of these contracts. Robert Menendez. Uh, Yes, even Robert Menendez has come out against these, and a growing number as well. Uh, but we have not heard from you. Can I say, I mean, for, for a piece that we're writing, we actually did reach out to Mayor Baraka, to our city councilman, Augusto Amador, to our state representatives, Teresa Ruiz, and the other two assemblywomen, and none of them had any response. They, they all, and Cory Booker's office as well, we could not get one person to even go on record giving a comment, which was pretty frustrating and something that we call out in a piece that we have coming. But um, can I just piggyback on, on the points Eric was making and maybe make them a little more concrete and tangible? I mean, because I assume we're running out of time. And since we're at the table, and 
you know, on this big picture, we're clearly at an impasse, but I, but I guess maybe one question we might collectively pose, and I think my comrades would agree, is what positive action can you offer? I mean, if you're not going to move forward on our main demand, I mean, what are the freeholders doing for immigrants in Essex County mm -hmm. while we're taking this money? I think that's a question mm -hmm. that a lot of us here share. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So one of the things, I guess that's why I want to look at that article, and some of the things that you're saying uh, is happening to them and the way that they're being treated, I definitely will look into it, all right? You can guarantee that. I guarantee you that I will look into it. Why are they being strip searched after a visit and they're not uh, charged with it? Why can't so, they get access to legal counsel? All right? That's why I asked you to yeah. send me that specifically because Absolutely. that talks about the Essex County Jail and there are some things that we can do in terms of how they're being treated and how they're being housed because that's the, where we're responsible. We're responsible for that stuff. So, so I would definitely, along with sure, yeah. the, the president, will look into all of those allegations. And I wish you had some names of the officers who said that they would get somebody's mother or sister pregnant. Well, I wish we had that, that information. Yeah. I think people are afraid easy. to say. Mm -hmm. The risk of retaliation. I wish we had that information. Same. Because they wouldn't be there. Same. Well, I think, I think it's interesting, too, that it seems like there's a problem of vision and of just organizing in practical ways that it sounds like the freeholders don't want to do. So like you throw up your, your hand and say, well, what are we going to do? Like, if the contract is abolished, immigrants will be redetained elsewhere and conditions will be worse. It's a fear that you have that you're, it's anticipatory. You're, you're, it's like a fatalism that you have. And you're not on the opposite side that has sort of a notion of possibility that could be practiced in a way where folks could be you know, freed from detention, and that there could be private, public, and nonprofit resources that can be organized, both voluntarily and by the county passing ordinances and asking the state level to also do that as well, so that folks go back to their friends and family, and that for folks who may not have friends and family locally, that there would be people who would be willing to take folks in so that they could be safe and they could work toward becoming a full citizen, which hopefully could be accelerated if there was some kind of policy that was created to help folks become full citizens if that's what they wanted. So I just, I'm wondering about like the vision and the practicality that you seem to, to lack sort of in your, in your mind, but that you also seem to lack within your desire to practice. I don't think on the county level that we can enact that type of policy because it's a federal policy. We can't overrule a federal policy. So that's why I think the president was talking about hopefully there'll be some changes come this November. And then maybe well, we can get something done. Well, let's, 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 let's be clear. But you know, you told us to go talk to other officials. We will. The fact well, is, we, we, we will. We are going to have to talk. We will. We will. But the fact is, you have the power, and we also are putting the question to you, Freeholder Richardson, if you will um, support this motion and, and vote for it uh, to close, the, to break the contract. But you bring up. Uh, these uh, human rights concerns, why you defend the, the contract. The fact is, all these reports have shown, there's no, and we can provide all these, they're horrendous conditions. And the fact is, we cannot guarantee uh, that people detained will be kept close to their families. John Montreville from Queens, an activist, was kidnapped by ICE, dragged to, to Essex, held for a few days, sent to Miami, and then deported to uh, Haiti, where he had not been for decades. They move people all around. The only way that we can make a humane system, the only way we can keep people close to
to their families is to close this system down. And you have that power. That's why we're don't try to, you know, pass the bucket. You have that power, and that's what we're calling on you. Now, you say it's the human rights concern, but your boss, Joseph DiVincenzo, he finally did break his silence. He put the cards on the table. It's all about the money, the money that you bring in. That's what it's about. And we say you shouldn't, that's human rights. You should not be trafficking in human beings to keep property taxes low. Instead, why don't you encourage Mr. DiVincenzo to use his well-known influence to raise taxes on millionaires? But yet he blocked that in the state legislature. So you could end this contract, and yes, we don't want property taxes to go, and that's something that you can do, end this contract. Would you do that? So let me pose it as a question, and I want to ask you, will you vote <coughs> against this contract and then use your political influence? You have a lot of political influence with Mr. Murphy to do his campaign to, to put pressure on Joe DiVincenzo and the others to pass these taxes. So let me be clear on millionaires about what you're asking. Me. So the president of the board said he wasn't willing to put that motion up. So you want me as the vice president to have a fight with the president at the board meeting? Well, I'm not saying the fight is take us discuss it and debate it. That's exactly what it would be. Without struggle, there's no progress. No, I, I, I'm clear. But here's what I want to say. I'm not willing to do that. Well, why? If this Sorry. is a question, you know, you said you understood what I was saying. This is a question of, you know, your sworn oath that all the Constitution and the, the rights that it guarantees, including the rights of the 14th Amendment, on an issue of constitutional principle, why aren't you willing to get into an argument? I mean, <laughs> but I think you're presupposing that there are violations of the Constitution. That's a fact. I, that may or may not be it's a fact. They're it's a fact. We've already we've already seen this. But to bootstrap that you're you're violating your oath and, and taking whatever leaps you've taken, I think is a little. Show me what Mr. Richardson answered. Don't you think on a con if on a constitutional issue it's worth an argument, even with your colleague? Could be, but that's not an argument I'm willing to have. Why not? With my colleague at this present time. I kind of put out there what I wanted to do immediately going forward. Right? That's what I'm willing to do, the first steps I'm willing to take. We may get to where you want us to get to, but that's not. Today. Can I jump in, please, on a minor no, point? Uh, Just please, following up my own, because I don't feel my own earlier question was actually answered about the freeholders doing something concrete in the interest of mm -hmm. immigrants. I mean, let me give one example, because I'm not talking here about the jail. I'm talking about mm -hmm. a sort of larger commitment to immigrant rights. One thing the freeholders could do, just as an example here, would be to issue a strong statement in favor of the state-level driver's license bill that's sitting in Trenton awaiting approval uh, in a you know, Democratic majority here. And that would have a tangible impact on ICE's ability to round up. It's stuck. It's, it's stuck in Trenton, though. I mean, it's not going anywhere. It's been there for a while, and there's a lot of frustration among immigrant rights activists for this. We passed a resolution in support of that, and I passed. I was part of uh, Newark's uh, municipal ID. 
No, municipal is great. I mean, the state level, though. I think Alejandro is very involved in that, and that's a handout. Hi, my name is Alejandro, and I'm from Cosecha. And the way that I see it is simple. It's not even all. I know there are constitutional arguments, law arguments. What is this? To tell our community and your community straight on which side are you, right? Who are you going to fight for, right? Do you think that is right that families here in Rome are being detained, put in the detention center just for excess hunting to make money on their suffering? I mean, on which side are you on? If it was your family, what would you do? And what would you tell your children, those that have children, when you sit for dinner that you were not able to take the side of the families that they have, friends in their school, and their parents are at risk? I mean, that's, that we have to take a stand. Martin Luther King took a stand. We are looking for you to take a stand. We are looking for our elected officials to take a, a radical stand defending what is right and opposing what is wrong. And what is wrong is the contract that all these elected officials are passing with ICE. That is wrong. That is wrong. Because ICE is not going after the criminals, right? They are taking innocent people, breaking up families. That's a great question. And that is wrong. Because you're all exceptionally knowledgeable about the subject. My question is the people who are in County facility on ICE detainers. What what's the nature of their reason? So they're all they civil all, charges. I'll get you the contract. I mean, you it's, have the it's, contract. They're all civil charges. It's you in black and white in the contract. I would, I would I've done some research on this. So yeah, according to the report from last year, no, according to a report from last year, 40%, 41% of the people who are detained at the Essex County Correctional Facility, immigrants, um, have no criminal conviction. None. None. Okay. Now, that means that there are Right? You can do math, 59% that do. But what is considered a criminal offense by ICE was widened in 1996. So that could mean that someone uh, has been put into the county jail for possession of a small amount of marijuana. At the same time that we are reforming our criminal justice system to make sure that we are taking low-level offenders out, we are putting immigrants in for those same kinds of um, uh, same kinds of, of acts, so, right? So in other words, if they get, if they somehow come into contact with law enforcement uh, on the street, mm -hmm. whether it's for, uh, oh, I don't know, they get pulled over in their cars mm -hmm. or, or disorderly persons. Sure, right. Things. Once they are discovered, uh, determined mm -hmm. to be uh, here, not citizens, or here, or, or for some reason an ICE detainer is, then they are Right. So irrespective of what they're right. Right. what they're running to contact. And so I think yeah. uh, what one more point that I'd just yeah. like to make because I think it would be very useful and perhaps you all with the power that you have could get more granular data about what yeah. what uh, what offenses the people who are being held at the Essex County Correctional Facility have actually committed. Because I think all of us would agree it is a poor use of our resources to hold someone in detention for days or weeks or months. Who is not uh, has not committed any kind of criminal? Because I do know there are classifications, but right. again, granularly, what does that mean? What right. is a low custody versus? I mean, high custody. I think I can pretty much understand what that means. But it's what is low, what is medium low. Let me clarify one thing for you, Councillor. All of the people who are held 
even those with criminal convictions, have already in other facilities suffered whatever punishment was allocated. So there's These nobody in there who was arrested for a what? So you don't believe there's anybody in there who has been arrested? Let's say a, a person is arrested for a robbery they've just committed. That's right. They're there's not nobody there. in there. They're not. They are not held by ICE. ICE is holding people on civil offenses because of prior convictions so for which so they have already been punished. So somebody may have finished a term of uh, incarceration in state prison, and before they are allowed to walk out the door, they're now in. That's right. Or it may be something that they did 20 years ago, and ICE has just swept them up. So these are civil detainees, and I would argue there is no power under the United States Constitution to deprive people of liberty without charge and trial. And the, the amendments, both the Bill of Rights and the 14th Amendment, clearly make that impossible. But this whole system of civil detention, which is punishment, we are punishing people who have not been charged or convicted of any crime. So this is entirely outside of It's purely immigration for immigration status. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We have a criminal justice system that deals with all the other those, those that get caught, let's say, for criminal activities, murder, robbery, those are caught by the police. Right? That's their work for police and detectives. But for example, someone. But if they go through the, I say, if they go through the process, you commit a crime, you're arrested by a local police right. officer. You are the, that process happens first. You are even if you are, in a, even if you were here illegally, so you can be convicted right. through that through that process and then transferred. No, no, no. You're, if, if you were convicted, we need that clarification. That's not that's not the way that's been explained to me by the right. administration. So I need. Well, I need, you go I need, right I need, I need clarification. Well, for, 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 for example, if someone gets stopped for driving without a license. And gets right. a court date. Well, ICE we'll shows pass. up, right? They mm -hmm. can go to the court, take them, and put them in the detention center. Well, assuming they are aware right. Right. Well, right. Which, which ICE does frequently. They go frequently, you know. And oh, just to clarify, which administration were you just referring to? You said the so administration hasn't explained this to you this morning. The county questions. So, so what was referred to? Um, as our policy, not our policy, the county executive. No, I mean, you can laugh, and that's fine, that's your right, but you're wrong. He's, he is, we are a co-equal branch of government. Because we happen to agree with him on this issue right now does not mean he's our boss. You're entitled to your opinion, but there's nothing funny about that. And, and it's also insulting, because this is, it's also insulting to my colleague and to I, to use that type of terminology when both of us have raised our hand to run, to serve. You probably know very little about our backgrounds to say that we answer to a boss. We don't. We answer to our constituents. That's why we're sitting here right now with you. Secondly, um, when I said the administration to answer your question, we're a legislative branch. That's the executive branch. They put the contract before us. We ask questions on the contract. We have voted in support of this contract. But the question that we are discussing right now 
I have asked through my office, the administration, and this is, and, and there's, I'm, I need some clarity, which I'm asking my board council to help me understand better. Just to be clear, though, you, you clarify, I so, laugh because you called them our boss. No, 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 I did not. Your colleague did. Your, your colleague did. Your colleague did. You're, you're, you're wrong. Can I, I just, if I can turn our conversation back for a second to a very important point that Alejandro raised. Um, do you guys have kids? Wayne? Gil? Kids, yeah. grandkids. Grandkids. So I have an eight and four year old, and the eight year old particularly is increasingly interested in how things get done around Montclair where we live. We noticed that Edgemont Park, which was like renovated a few years ago when we first moved in, was super renovated again, and we couldn't figure out why, and they repaved everything, and the park was closed, and there's new grass and new benches and really, really fancy trash cans. <laughs> totally shocking, but no recycling cans. Oh no, maybe they did. Um, they're really excited about the flamingo exhibit at Triggleback Zoo. And I know my eight-year-old is gonna ask me, where'd this come from? How'd they do it? Where'd the money come from? What do you think I should tell her? They come from grants from the state. There are all kinds of grants that we that the county gets to uh, open space. There's all kinds of grants and money that we uh, go property after. Property taxes, to do property tax bill. Yeah. So is, the, is it traceable? Like if I take oh, my kids to the zoo, sure, of course. am I supporting? Am, are we visiting something that was built using money from $117 per night per detainee or no? So, I can't guarantee you that not one single dollar. Yeah. Okay, I can't guarantee. The county budget what, is in excess of seven hundred something seven million dollars annually. So, to say that the entire zoo or park system or flamingo exhibit is it's directly funded through ICE contract, I think is missing. You know, the vast majority of what is now it's collected and it's collected obviously through tax levy through uh, grants from the state and the federal government um, other areas of income from mortgages that are filed and deeds that are filed I mean it's there's a vast number of things that are income to the county but but including you're right that's part of it that's certainly part of it but it's not you can't say that every park and every exhibit and everything is but for the ice contract Can you say, yeah, a portion of this, if you wanted to say a portion of everything in the county is somehow funded by that, I think of course you can make that argument. Do we know what percentage of the budget is made up of the ice contract? Is it large, medium, small? 5%. You're involved in $3 million a month right now. It's 36 million a year. That's about 5%. It's not, it's not pocket change. I, I, I just wanted to say, I, I did want to say a couple of things to that. We must One, mark up the five yeah, we, yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. One, um, and it's just, you know, when it should have started this way, I, I, I want um, more information for sure. So I'm, I'm opening to, I'm open to reading every, I will read everything that you, that you sent to me. That you, um, I will try to the best of my ability, uh, which I tried to do in the 
up front in this meeting tell you where I am on this uh, on this issue. It's something that I'm thinking about uh, constantly, uh, almost every day. It's not something that I take lightly, uh, or that or that I'm not um, sympathetic to some of these issues that uh, you have raised. Um, I think I've been fairly clear about what I think um, is a potential result of what you're asking the board to do. Um, it's, it's, it's significant uh, for me. In terms of affirmative steps, in terms of how uh, people are being treated, um, other uh, affirmative things that this board can do, um, we have and will continue to do those things. And those individual issues, we will address um, and do everything in our power um, to, to address those right away and to make sure that the administration, that is our role. That is, in terms of the government role, we are the legislative body and, uh, and we are to uh, have oversight um, over the executive branch as it pertains um, to those issues. Um, I would definitely like to understand, I would, I'm going to wait back about what they did um, in Atlanta, you know, because I'd like to understand how that, how that freeze works and how that, um, how that currently um, uh, impacts our current, uh, our current contract. Uh, I would encourage you to also reach out to the under, you know, we're, we're a nine-member board, so I would encourage you to reach out individually uh, to the rest of my colleagues. You know, we don't speak for them. I just said that I think right now I have informally told them, you know, through the clerk, um, you know, about about this particular issue um, and, uh, and have not been asked by a member of the board um, at this point in time to... Uh, to uh, put a motion on the floor, to put the contract up uh, for a vote, nor do I think right now, again, do we have a majority um, to override uh, to override um, the contract. Um, so uh, I, I think that I will, you know, I'm gonna continue to hear you and I'm gonna come back to you. But that's where, you know, as of right now, that's, that's where I am. That's I have a question. Uh, so as, as responsible, Obviously, I have not. Unfortunately, I can't be. I can't. I, I'm just saying, but we have. Not. 
so, okay. so, right. so right. But somebody else has, and they've had a different experience. Like, you know, and the right. And the question is, we said we would, we would absolutely follow up. Right. I mean, and that's I, not. I hope you do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I want to ask this question for you, Mr. Richardson. You just said we, may, we meaning you, haven't gotten there, meaning addressing the question of contract, but we may do so. What would be necessary for you to take that step so, so, so to get here, to the point of what I ending said. the contract? Here's what I said. Yeah. I said I wasn't willing to have that fight today. I said, but I told you what I was willing to do at this point today, and I said, who knows, we may get there to the fight. But I'm not there today. But what would catch you there? I can't answer that. I, I am kind of surprised of the lack of empathy. Mm. Do you believe that is what we have a lack of empathy? Is that what you really think? I, I just think because when you sign the contract, you should have think that this contract is separate. You think, you think that we have a lack of empathy? That's why we're sitting here having a conversation, having a discussion. And, and did you come in late? I can make this. All I'm saying to you is, don't tell me that I don't have empathy for what's going on in the plight of folks being detained. You don't know me. I, don't I take offense to that. I don't know you. But I will expect you just to take a stand on the right side, right? And say, this is not acceptable. We are not going to support it. This is wrong. I think disagreement doesn't mean that there's a lack of empathy or a lack of understanding. Well, I think I, I, I think I think if you were detained in the terrible conditions in Essex County Correctional Facility, way down in the East Ward, Newark, I think you would want to be free to be with your friends and family, and that you would want all of us activists and folks who are elected politicians with elite class orientation to be working on a vision and the practical organizing plan for helping folks get out of that facility. So yes, I think it's a legitimate point to say that you would lack empathy if you're not fighting for folks who are detained to be with their friends and family. And to think further about how, because you said you know, a federal policy is a federal policy and a, the local county and state level can't do anything about that. I would be interested to add to your list of points to do some more research on to find out what is the power and authority of the local county and state government to issue orders to police to protect folks who would be freed from immigrant detention against redetention by ICE. That if those orders were issued, police officers would have to follow them. So there's, there's another step there that we need to add to what's possible. That's fair. Well, we're not going to go away. We're going to keep struggling along. Hey, listen, and, and we, we don't have a conversation. We're having a conversation, continuing the conversation, and see where we are. Uh, uh, we don't have a problem. That's why we're here. And so we can follow up then with sending materials to the clerk. Is that correct? Okay, so we will put together some materials to send to the clerk. Uh, ASAP. What about the answers that you talked about that were here and right? You have to ask a question. Did you hear? Did you hear? Were you here in the beginning when I yes, made the statement? Yes, but you said that there were written answers. Yes. 
we bought the pop. I'm, I'm one of them. I'd, I'd love to see that. I think they have announced it. And we have it downstairs. We bought a copy of it. Went in the mail today, but I bought a copy. In case okay. You right. Thank you. Yeah. 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 So there's generally somebody at the meeting who will take your name and address. Thank you. Now you make me feel bad. She came from over here. Great